we are all part of the body of Christ. If you look up there at that picture, you'll notice that that's Christ on the cross, and we're all superimposed in there, not us, but other people. The body speaks, and it's so important that we share our testimony, that we share our stories with each other. Um, Dale has an incredible story. It's been humbling to uh, just go through him, go through it with him, and, and get to know it and him better. But he has a wonderful story of faith, and um, you need to know it. And we need to know yours, too. <clears throat> so if you ever um, can get up the courage, we would love to hear your story. Because what God does is on a human, personal basis. And... Uh, so this is Dale Seeley, and uh, Dale, um, Dale started attending this church probably about three years ago-ish, because um, we're about the same as far as when we started here. Um, you started a little bit later after I started, but you started coming around the same time. And um, before that, Dale hadn't attended church for 30 years. That's a long time. And before that, Dale was heavily involved with church. Um, like I'm talking heavily involved in church. And so I think that's a really interesting thing that needs to, I think it's helpful for us to understand why that happened and played out the way it did. So. I promised Dale that I would give him specific questions <laughs> because honestly, it's such, I mean, there are volumes that could be written about your life, Dale. So um, I want to know, when you were growing up, what role did the church play in your growing up years? So you were like a teenager. So I was a teenager. Speaking of that. <laughs> I know you uh, well, when I was younger, like seven years old, up until I was uh, 12, my dad and mom, we'd go to the local, well, I guess it was about 20 miles away from uh, Hebron to Ohio to church. It was basically on revival meetings. Dad had several friends who were late preachers, as we called them. And we always attended uh, every Sunday, especially on the revival services. That was a big thing to go every year to revival service. And after service, everybody would get together. We'd go, to, as I was telling Tim, we'd go to somebody's house. You'd see the chicken around there, running around the yard. Later, that was cut up and fed in the rest So, and, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going the way you want to. I just want you to talk. I want you to say what you want to say. My dad. That's great. Uh, my dad never swore around the house. He never drank. Not saying that was all bad or good or bad, but that's the way he did smoke. But uh, he never, he was always easy going. He had a big size, 11 hands, so he didn't want to sour him up anyway. <laughs> and uh, so he raised, there were seven children, and there were three of us that were left. There was like four years between all of us. And there were, uh, there were three of us that were mainly the last family that mom and dad raised. And 
Until I was 22, I kissed my mom and dad good night every night. But I was a married man by then. But, uh, <laughs> as far as church, it was the old preachers. Uh, they, today, it was like a homecoming for me. The whole service seemed like it was all planned out. And that's the way the service used to be back then. It's, uh, the older people used to stand up, give their testimony, how God had raised and brought them through their lives. And uh, so that was always in bed in me, even though I didn't follow. I was in school, the kids would say, Dale, are you a Christian? I didn't even know what a Christian meant. I didn't know what salvation meant. And it's not until I came, I guess, later in life, my wife, first wife and I, I was coerced into being a Christian. <laughs> we were talking about that. Like that night, the pastor showed up and said, well, you should be giving your heart to the Lord. My wife and he were both pushing at me, pushing at me. So finally I gave in. Uh, that wasn't right. That wasn't God talking to me. That was somebody else talking to me. But then after I'd done so, I accepted it and wanted to be part of it. But my whole goal was to be the best Christian I could ever be. So I attended church twice on Sundays, taught Sunday school, went to youth group on Friday night with my children, and on Thursday nights was going around and meeting, trying to get people within the neighborhood saved to God's Christ. In fact, one deacon and I did that to a friend. She and her husband came to their Lord one night. So we prayed on the way back, but for some reason, all in the background, my first wife had problems. I was unaware of it, but all of our friends knew about it. So I was embarrassed when I found out that all the things that was happening in the background, and I was being like wool over my eyes. So it made me angry. So as an excuse, we moved from Woodstock to Fredericton, thinking that she would get help in Fredericton. That was my excuse then to get away from the church. All the things I had been doing, that was my excuse. And I had stayed away, I told you, for 30 years, but well, I was working on a project in Manitoba, and I did attend church for three or four Sundays while I was out there. There was a Christian fellow who worked with me. So we went to church. But, uh, you spoke a little about shame this morning. It was shame that kept me away. It was uh, many times I wanted to come back to church, but nothing would draw me back to church. And fortunately, Judy spoke to Julie in 2014, so would you like to come to the, and be a part of our Christmas concert? And Julie came to the concert, and for a while later, she kept on coming to church. Grammy, is that something you'd like to do? Would you like to go with me? And yes, I did want to come, but it was a long time, and quite a fight for her to uh, get me to come. <laughs> and so that was 2015. And, uh, just in January. And I never really felt, like I said, I went to church many times for three years, day in, you know, church was part of it. I never felt safe. Every time I went home from a service, I didn't know whether I was going to heaven or not. Because our pastor was always trying to get somebody within the congregation saved. We were already saved. We didn't need that type of preaching. But what we have here, is the Holy Spirit speaking through Tim, and I've learned that God loves me. I've been saved. 
and my life now is with Christ, I feel that I don't have any doubts whatsoever. I went through a heart attack. I went there when I was laying there while they put the stints in. I had no fear of death because they said it could happen any minute. It's not that serious, but it could have happened. I had no fear. I had peace within. And that's what I got. And like this morning, like I said, it was the best homecoming I ever had. And I've learned to love each and every one of you. There's things I've overcome. And each and every one of you are a big part of my life. And when I say I miss you, I'm not scolding. I miss you when you're not here within this church. Each and every one of you means very much to me. Your services that you do, the things you do, playing the drums, playing the guitar, the violins and the organ, the piano, all that thing is very important to me. That's what brings me. I used to listen to the Gazer Gospel Hour. It's the music that always drew me home. It's the music. You cannot forget God or Christ when you listen to the gospel music, no matter who sings it. Well, I'm not sure if I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I have to have a bunch of questions? <laughs> that was awesome. Nice <laughs> I want us, uh, I, I, Wow, you know, you spanned all these years, but um, I want to back back it up a little bit to um, your 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 first wife, okay? And uh, maybe can you tell with I mean, we're free with me. Are you free with everyone about um, what you were dealing with there? Yes, I am. Yeah. Can you sort of? I mean, I think it's important for us to know that you you, you see this mild mannered, really together, successful man. But, um, and, and, and then he comes, he's all nice looking and all that. <laughs> Not too good looking, don't get me <laughs> I look like your front brother, what you talking brother, different brother. So the thing is, um, you know, I think it's important that people understand the, the struggles, right? So maybe you could talk a little bit more about that piece in your life, about what you were dealing with, even though, see, Dale was... He, he grew up in this really, sounds like a really holy roller kind of gospel kind of context, right? Where you go to revival and there's all this salvation preaching going on. And, you know, you go, and it was just, there was a lot of that going on. And then he married into a very Christian family. His wife was a, belonged to a very churchy family, right? Yeah. And, um, and then he was sort of coerced into sort of becoming a Christian. But the backstory on this was this. Tell us about what was going on. Okay, you want me to start? Just with, uh, like, what, what was going on with you and your wife. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit on history, and it's not excusing what she did, but the reasons behind perhaps what happened to her. Uh, we had sold our house in one area and moved down to her homestead, and her parents lived across just about like the house next door to us, but we also, she also had her favorite aunt that lived next door. And her favorite aunt was dying of cancer. And her bed was set so that she could look out the window, see the traffic and what, the, what our children were doing and her nieces and nephews across. My wife got very attached. I come home for a night for supper at work and wondered why my supper wasn't made well. It was because she was next door to her aunt's house. And 
her aunt passed away. And I can't really recall, it was the very same year or next year, but anyway, we were in a terrible car accident. And she was given medications to take care of her pains. And I was as well, but I was stubborn, <laughs> wouldn't take mine. But she took hers and eventually she was hooked on 28 different medications. If one doctor wouldn't prescribe it, she'd go to another one so that she could get the medications that she required. And during this period of time, she had started drinking. And I, like a fool, thought the rum bottle was evaporating underneath the sink. <laughs> but, uh, so all those things were happening to her. And she would show up at my friend's house. And as I started to say, all my friends knew that she was doing this. And I was going to work every day, no idea. And one day I came home. And supper was on the stove. Her car was gone, the children were gone. So I started searching through and had a clothes or some clothes for other closet. So as I said, her family lived next door. I called up and her the youngest sister answered the phone and said, no, we haven't seen her. So I called our friend, she hadn't seen her. For three days, I did not know where my wife and children were. I got in the car with her photographs, just driving. I thought, I'm going to go somewhere and find them. And I, at the time, had my pilot's license, my own plane. She had actually stopped a Canadian tire, bought a can of spray paint to spray the top of her car so I wouldn't recognize it, but I flew over. So this is on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday is the day I headed out to find her. I came home to Strat. I wasn't eating for three days. I didn't eat. My father-in-law, I don't want to get off track here, but anyway. Uh, so that Sunday evening when I returned home, I called over next door and my little sister-in-law said, well, Dale, you know there's a place people can go for this type of thing. So I got to look up in the post. I think she actually gave me the number of the newspaper. I phoned it up and I said, if I don't hear, from my family, within two hours, I've got to kill myself. Half hour later, I got a phone call. And it was the halfway house or whatever, the house for bad equipment. And I got to speak to my two children. She did not want to speak to me. Then that Monday, I got a phone call. And that's the youngest fellow who wanted to come home with dad. So they called me. Then on Wednesday, I'd already had the little fellow home, made arrangements with my neighbor to look after him until I could get home from work. That Wednesday, I got a phone call saying, Christopher needs to come home with you. His mom got, had to be put in jail last night because of drinking. So I brought him home. So that was on Wednesday. So then my mom at the time would be my age, 71. She came out and looked after the children for me for the summer. And eventually I brought the wife back, and it was a, a struggle until we moved to PEI. And when we got to Prince Edward Island, Dr. Kalorn, I don't know if anybody knows him, he, uh, he helped my wife. He was the first one to call me in, and they didn't do this. They, they let the problem be hers, and I tried to deal with the sickness outside. It's a family sickness. It's not one person. But they did not explain that in New Brunswick. But Dr. Kalorn explained it. He said, and she kept going in out of detox. We moved here in 
August, I believe it was that year, and all the way to Christmas, she was in no detox, in no detox. So Christmas time came, and he said, Dale, he says, I can let her come home for you, with you for the weekend, for the Christmas weekend, but he said, we're going to have to spend another three weeks getting her detox before we can get her to Pennsylvania. So we made the decision then, or he and I did. She no, not she thought she couldn't get out. We didn't tell her that she could have been out. So that Christmas, myself and two little boys spent Christmas alone, and we were able to go visit her in the place that helped a little bit. But it always felt within my own heart, two boys had to spend Christmas alone without their mom because of alcohol and drug abuse. But once you realize it's a sickness, you can get over that. All the things I've gone through, I'm so glad I've gone through it because I wouldn't understand it otherwise. I didn't understand mental illness or anything with anybody else. You told me you had a nervous breakdown. I wouldn't even know what that was. And I would say, well, why don't you trust in God, right? But all these tools have been given to us by God. Every nurse, doctor, Every facility, every institution that we have, God gave us. That's how God helps us. When we say God helps me, that's how he helps us for that. So we have to trust in God. When I trust in God, there's a favorite verse in the Bible, I think it's Psalm 119, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than by confidence in me. That's what, I think that's what's in the middle of the verse of the Bible I ever saw that's told. But that is one I live by. And knowing that Christ is my Savior, I'm going to die. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. There's no doubt. I've been forgiven. No matter what, you know, I can't go and shoot somebody tomorrow and hope for that. <laughs> That's not the thing. I just can't do anything I want to do or think I need to do. In order to, we can't abuse the salvation that's been given to us by Christ. So. I think that one of the things that just was so uh, powerful for me was... Um, well, first of all, Dale, you have a really, I think, grace-filled uh, attitude about this horrible stuff that happened to you, uh, to see that as uh, something that is helpful for you and, and which God has used to make you the man that you are today is uh, just a testament to God's grace in, in you. Um, but I think that um, what has really impressed upon me is how you've your attitude or your understanding of God has gone from um, a God in, 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 the, in those days where you were so uh, involved in the church. Uh, we talked about the fact that a lot of that was just a sense of duty. He's a very dutiful guy. He's a very responsible man, right? So a lot of duty and a lot of, I need to, you know, I, I need to do this. And then uh, to be away and, and from the church for such a long time would have really been very hard. And as you say, there was that shame. Like, who? how could I now go back to a church after being so involved and then being away for it for so long? And, uh, and But then eventually to, to uh, through uh, Julie's uh, con continual invite, inviting um, to, to step back in here, then your image of God changed. And you started with this, but I want us to end with this. How do you see God now? Before you used to see him as a God who you had to sort of uh, serve and be 
obey and sort of do your duty for. And now you see him in a different way. I see him as somebody who loves me. Like I don't feel... Uh, I, I used to picture in my life, okay, when I die, I'm going to sit there, there's going to be a great big movie going in front of me. Well, Dale, you did this, you did this. What do you think? And try to deny it. <laughs> Come up with a good excuse. <laughs> uh, now I don't, I have no fear. Uh, I guess um, we have to walk in fear, maybe, is that correct? But I don't have any fear of God. I don't, uh, you know, I, I feel he loves me. That's, that's the way God wants it. He right. doesn't want you to fear him. My, my dad was there. I had to respect my father. Right. But I knew my dad loved me. He, he wasn't going to take me out. It might have been shot her brother or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel fully restored. I, I do. And, uh, yes, I do. I, I can't add to that because, yes, I do. I feel that I'm saved. I have no fear of death now. I, I know I'm not, I'll never be perfect. Right? But I do know that as I am, God has accepted me and given me freedom and fear and faith within himself. And through the, it seems that as you shared your testimony with me, all through it, there's very clearly a sense that God was not, it was just a whisper away, kind of like you always felt oh, yeah. that God was sort of there, right? Even when you weren't going to church or following or living a life for Christ, uh, you know, you were, you always felt that he was there yes. um, and kind of wooing you back, right? right. But I told you, I've told a few here, I used to drive by the church here. Unfortunately, it wasn't on a Sunday morning. I would have seen you all here. <laughs> but I'd go to the stock car races on a Saturday night, come back through and say, I think I'll go there tomorrow. And nothing, I had nothing to pull me here. Like I, I needed an excuse to come, if you want to put it that way. And, and uh, through Judy and Julie, I found my excuse, or God found the excuse for me to come and give me the courage to walk through the door. And then. Uh, that's awesome, Dale. Uh, I'm going to pray for Dale. And then uh, he's chosen a song that uh, we're actually uh, going to use as a video, Kent. Uh, if we can put the sound, uh, hook the sound up. Uh, it's, a, it's an old gospel song. You kind of notice there's a lot of old gospel tunes here this morning. Uh, kind of like Homecoming for, for Dale. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, the song is Who Am I, and it's by a guy called Rusty Goodman, a really wonderful hymn, uh, actually. So uh, we're going to pray, and then the words will be up there. If you want to sing along, you can sing along. That'd be great. Um, yeah, so let's just pray. <laughs> uh, dear Lord, I thank you for my brother Dale. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in his life, that even though um, he had uh, bad experiences with who you are, uh, there was a lot of misunderstanding and, and actually teaching that misled him. Um, even though he lived through just really, really difficult times um, and uh, just uh, that broke his heart, that you were faithful and that you always 
were there and that you brought him back to not just a church, but more importantly, to a relationship with you, that he sees you for who you are now, that you are his loving God, you are his father who has embraced him as he's turned his back on sin and turned his back on all of the things that he chased after for, for 30 years. You're so faithful, you're so loving. And so we thank you. We commit him to you. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to help him grow. I know he's a learner. I know that he seeks to understand. He's, he's digging. He wants to know. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would make his times with you rich and wonderful and helpful. So I commit him to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. You did awesome. Thank <laughs> you.